Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one in the coast guard we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey, before we start the show today, I just want to tell you a little bit about my process. When I'm thinking about what my next story is for the podcast, I, I don't ever think about it in terms of topics. I think about who... Who is it that I want to talk to? Who has caught my interest? After that, I do a lot of research about who this person is, and then I spend hours interviewing them. I follow them to understand what their life is about. I really want to feel like I genuinely know who someone is before I make a story about them. I really do my best to be as thorough as possible because it matters. I think it really actually matters. Like these people that I've found here in Shanghai, they're amazing. And I owe it to them to represent them really, really well. Now that in itself is a lot of work, but it's only part of what I do. So here's my ask. If you think that's worth something, make sure that you go to the Strangers in China Patreon page and contribute to getting those stories out there. You can find a link to it in our description or you can go to patreon.com forward slash strangers in China. For the cost of buying one cup of coffee a month, you can help the show a lot. So anyway, thanks. If you can't contribute right now, that's okay. I just want to also just say thank you to anybody who's listening, sharing, and subscribing. Uh, but with that, let's get on with the show. Last time on Strangers in China. Like, do you do you guys expect to do well? Or? Yeah, we expect to. We were the champion for next last, all, all, like, all the last last few years. We have been the champion. But in among the men was one singular woman standing on the sidelines. It's me, Xin, and Eva's like friendship anniversary. Why? I mean, why do you do frisbee? First, the sport itself is fun. It's it's opened my eye actually. 
there are people from all around the world, Chinese and foreigners. The point of starting a woman like a team or a woman optimist to make the women beginners feel in a safe environment to grow. I think in playing frisbee, most of my improvements came after I joined the women's team. It's not as fun playing on the mixed team because I have much less playing time. Why was the captain of the team from 2017 playing with the boys now? Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Something's established, then there's a reaction to what is established. And then eventually there's some kind of messy agreement between the two. As humans, I think we value continuity. We obsess over legacy. We strive for immortality. It's what makes all of our human struggles feel worthwhile. But what if that gets cut short? What if there is no continuity? If the legacy, as we intended it, gets warped and twisted into something that we don't recognize? What if we're forgotten? Does something of our spirit live on, unrecognized, nameless? Legacy is something that's hard to manage, but it's a narrative that we all want to be in control of. Life's cruel joke is that forces beyond our control dictate our lives. Yet, in complete contrast to that, our decisions have real consequences that can shape the course of history. Anyway, this story is about how Jesse left the team. It's about life cycles and legacy and why we even bother. This is The Siren Song, part two. So I went to the last practice before the Shanghai Open, one week away from the tournament. It was the same hour-long trek early on a Saturday morning, but this time with the bonus that the weather was really terrible. Late May weather in Shanghai is not really great. It was cold, it was pouring rain, and the wind was blowing sideways. So sorry if the audio quality really sucks. Yeah, you guys are hardcore. I thought you were going to be in the lodge. What the fuck? I was excited to like sit in the lodge. And have a tea yeah, and a talk. <laughs> Gossip. Exactly. What the fuck is this? It wasn't just me that was cold. Everyone was freezing. Guys, shivering. Sing was noticeably more tense and irritated with her players. Why did you just make them do burpees? Because they didn't score at all. Like they supposed to, like they have five chance to score, and they didn't. They did badly, so I make them do burpees. Aside from the rain, the practice today is, seems much more tense, and Shing seems a little bit more on edge. She seems like she's really trying to take this seriously. Doesn't have a lot of time for me, which obviously is fine, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm out here getting blown around in the rain out here. It's getting worse. I thought it was letting up. It's getting worse. I talked to Johanna again, and I asked if being a captain gave her a lot of pressure. I definitely feel the pressure. Because there's no way to control if the team does well or not sometimes. And sometimes, I wish we could be better and stronger. 
Even with the terrible weather and the low turnout, Eva was still staying positive. Yeah, I think uh, we are really fully prepared. We are also very excited about the game because mm -hmm. we are still going to win it. And we, uh, Sirens Club, we never actually lost the Shanghai Open. And we are dominating the uh, single gender tournaments, like the uh, female, the women division. So basically, you know, we, if we lose, I would be surprised. We're not going to lose. Yeah. At the end of practice, everyone practically growing icicles, Xing gave a pep talk that highlighted some of the difficulties of their season, but it also highlighted their history, their legacy, and their implacable confidence. She knows, even though that they've had a hard year, these women can get the job done. Shanghai Open, we only have 14 people, but that's okay, right? We, I want us to be very confident. We are a team has like a five years history. We are champing for every Shanghai Open. Like yeah. we've been playing together for five years, right? So we know each other. We have very, very good chemistry. And we've been doing the, hand, the same handle reset, right? Like for five years. So we rely on what we prepared. We rely on what we practice. We have, like we know what we're good at. So for Shanghai Open, we need to be confident. Very, very confident. Be very aggressive, be very hungry because people probably know like a, no sirens this year, we're gonna have 14 people and then something like this, a lot of people injured, the coach is not here, but we want to prove ourselves, right? So wow. very, be very aggressive and then leave it, leave it all on the field, okay? Right. Who's tall from land and sea? Sirens! Who's gonna get the thing? Sirens! Let me hear you scream! But this year, not really going very well. So it's been a rough year for the Sirens. Some of our teammates were stuck abroad. And we don't have enough players. Um, and some of teammates decide not to play with us, to change to other team. And, you know, a lot of things that make, it, make you frustrated. Just because this, so we really want to hold our pride and hold our honor to be, to win, like, the Shanghai champion. Because we are the team from Shanghai and we want to hold the honor for it. COVID-19 travel restrictions have robbed the Sirens of a coach and some of their star players. They haven't gotten the practice that they usually get. But even then, there were issues beyond that that I really want to talk about. So last time we talked about the challenges more broadly for women who play Frisbee. I neglected to talk about an important one. As much as outside factors can wear on these women, some frustrations come within the team. Here's Maisie. Uh, I enjoy playing with sirens, mm -hmm. uh, but I also is I also I can play mix as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I, I I'm not the one who stay with women's team to only play with women's team. I think men's team you can also learn a lot from men's team. Many of the sirens like Maisie during the offseason, also play on mixed teams with men. When comparing the experiences, some of the better women's players admit that they get frustrated with their fellow women's players because sometimes the men are just better at catching hard-to-catch discs. Sometimes you, you want to throw a, like a dishy throw, and maybe guys can catch it, but girls maybe not, so that's a lot of turnover. Even you can improve a lot by playing with girls, but a lot of turnover and a lot of um, stoppage of the disc can also make you feel frustrated. 
A few of the experienced players expressed these sentiments to me. There's this reality that on the women's team, there are these big disparities between the best and less competitive players, which can be super annoying to someone as, as skilled and as serious about the game as Maisie is. Born out of this frustration comes the challenge that was seen as a big threat to the team this year. Let's talk about the Jesse situation. This year, because of COVID, some of the members of the team are stuck outside of the country, including some of their star players. This has meant that they've had really low attendance. For their season, they've only had 14 players, which is basically the bare minimum to keep a team together. This diminishment has led players like Eva to, let's say, come out of retirement, kind of. This year, I didn't even plan to play. But the thing is, this year is super different. A lot of people left the team. I remember the first practice we had. We only have three people showed up on time. I, I jumped in because I was a I was a siren, and I don't want to see the see the team just dismissed like this. This low turnout has frustrated and threatened the existence of China's best single gender frisbee team. It's made them particularly sensitive and on edge about what happened earlier this year. This season, like we lost a very very important, probably one of our best handler. The decision she made the impact on the whole team, on the whole Shanghai like single gender communities is very big because she was a leader, and uh, when we all asked her to play with us, and she said she's injured, she couldn't play. But then uh, we saw her play with the boys on the open team. I think the majority of the sirens are very disappointed about that. Of all the issues facing the sirens this year, this was the one that most frustrated and concerned members of the team. At least that old guard who have been with the team since the sirens' inception. When the sirens came together for their first time this year to practice back in March, they saw one of their best players, Jesse, playing with the boys. So there's a team in Shanghai that's called an open team, meaning that it's open to people of any gender. That said, the team this past year was all men, except for Jesse. It had been a heated few months with Jesse. She had had a disagreement with some of the team members early in 2020. Seeing her out there running on the field with the boys, after giving the sirens a bunch of excuses about why she wasn't going to be there, was a betrayal. Eva insists it's more than just personal, though. It sends the wrong message. Um, I have nothing personal against the person. I, I just don't think it's a good decision she should have made. Just sometimes you make a decision and uh, it's just not good for the community. I mean, at least in my opinion. When, when we discuss with the boys, the boys say, oh, maybe she wants to play more competitive game. So in their mind, the boys are more competitive than the girls, you know. Um, to us, it's like a um, setback, you know, which is... Is also, you know, like not the good idea, a mess, good message you should send out. You know, it's a wrong message. To understand the full impact here, you have to remember that Jesse was more than just the Sirens' best player. She was their captain and their leader for two years. She was a founding member of the team. What's her reasoning? What do you think? Do you think this is too good? Huh? Do you think this is too good? I, she thinks she's too good. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's better than the, the rest of the girls' team. Mm-hmm. And uh, objectively, she is actually pretty good. He's, yeah. uh, he's much better. He's, he's better than most. It's not good. The message is sent out. 
because this also sent the wrong message to boys. See, you know, you you girls are just you know less than us, you know. Because if you're good, you should play with us. Yeah. If you're not good enough, don't play with us. You know, yeah. it's just not. It's just wrong. Eva's upset. She she doesn't reflect how everyone feels on the team. Reactions sort of range from super angry to kind of disappointed to kind of indifferent. And there's a couple of people who are just sort of like, you know, Jesse, you do you. But I want to hone in on Eva's reaction. As we've kind of established, the boys team is sort of the more competitive, quote unquote, competitive team. Eva and a bunch of people I talked to's perspective is that Jesse left the Sirens because she wanted to be on the more competitive team. She wanted to be on the men's team because it was more competitive. Because she thinks she's better than the rest of the Sirens. If that is in fact true, I really wonder, is that actually bad for the women's Frisbee community? Like, is a woman leaving the women's team to play on the men's team, does that, in fact, send the wrong message? Well, I don't really know. But I actually got in contact with Jesse. I sat down and I talked to Jesse about all of this. I'm not sure I got any answers, necessarily, but it certainly raised a lot of really interesting questions about competition and loyalty and being an individual in the context of a team. Hello, my name is Jesse. I was born in Suzhou, but I've lived in Shanghai for almost six years. So Jesse got into Frisbee in her hometown of Suzhou when she was in college. So I signed up and I played the first ever tournament and I actually did nothing on the field, but it was so fun. I made lots of new friends at the tournament. So I feel it is really cool sports where you can meet different people. So that's how I started playing. Realizing that Suzhou is not actually the cultural hub for Frisbee, she wanted to move to Shanghai. After that, I moved to Shanghai for playing Frisbee, actually. Jesse is fanatical about Frisbee. It's everything to her. Literally, her number one motivation for moving to Shanghai was she wanted to play better Frisbee. Her first year in Shanghai was otherwise terrible. The first year uh, was really, really tough because I didn't really enjoy the job and the salary was really not really good. I didn't like the apartment either. <laughs> so I feel like all my was life... Was Frisbee good though? Yes, Frisbee was good. So only Frisbee was like the only happy part of my life. When the sirens started, Jessie joined the team for a lot of the same reasons the other players cited earlier. She got more playing time and more opportunity to grow. Um, and I wanted to play more Frisbee back then. So... I didn't really think about, oh, if women's better or if the mix better or why I should play me. I just feel like I want to play more frisbee. But I have to say, playing with Cyrus helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, started playing with Cyrus, I think I got more chance of like touching the disc or making a decision all by myself. I noticed that I got so much better just after one year playing with Cyrus. So I was really excited about playing with Cyrus back then. When I asked Shing about Jesse. She said that Jesse was always a very ambitious Frisbee player. Jesse didn't want to just be a player. She wanted to shape the direction of the team. So her second year, she nominated herself to be captain and she actually won the election. 
And she describes having a slightly different philosophy about being the captain. But back then, I think when I ran for the election, my plan was I wanted to involve more like beginners. Um, I want to de- develop like new young players. Um, Her co-captain was actually still Xing that year. Xing doesn't seem to remember having any differences with Jesse back then as far as style. She was like, we had very different leadership styles and we had different ideas about how we should run the team. Uh, really? I, yeah. I thought we had the kind of same idea. Besides their sort of visions of the team, there were other problems from the get-go. Xing also noted that Jesse was difficult to work with sometimes. Co-captain, the first year, I remember, like, uh, said we let's have a meeting together. And then she said to me, if we have, like, different opinions, I'm going to just uh, quit because I think you're very stubborn. I think she really want to prove, prove herself. She's, she is very strong now, and then she grow to be this, like, super, super strong leader. Yeah, the whole time, I, just, I think she just really want to prove herself, you know. So she's looking for, you know, belong to a better group. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking why she left us this year, because this year we want the better group, you know. Mm-hmm. When she was on the team. Yeah, no, that's why I got like a... It wasn't any problem. That's why I got everybody like uh, that's why what she said about the team like against her was ridiculous. Everybody likes her actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like all the problems she said it wasn't, you know, I don't think that real real, real problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This represents what's at the crux of why Jesse left the team. Part of it is just that her and Shing, Shing being one of the best players and the leader of the Sirens, her and Shing didn't really see eye to eye. There is more to this, but neither Shing nor Jesse really wanted to talk about it on mic. Here's the thing, and I'm getting a bit speculative here. To totally understand why all this went down, I think you have to understand the strained relationship between Jesse and Shing. Off mic, I talked to both Jesse and Shing about each other. And it became clear to me at the heart of this issue, for Jesse, I think it's a little bit of a clash of personalities between her and Shing. Shing represents the establishment and the norms and the culture of the team as the founder. She's the former captain and she's the coach. And Jesse, who was ambitious to be this leader, I think sort of fundamentally questioned and challenged those norms. Shing is a really good leader, but I get why her style could be irritating to someone like Jesse. So I think a big part of why she left the team is this dynamic with Shing. Now, this is speculation based on things that I've heard from Shing and Jesse and others. But I am just left to speculate because, honestly, Jesse didn't really give me a satisfying answer as to why she left the team. Now, why didn't she give me a good answer? Well, maybe because it's a sensitive subject and maybe it's just because it's none of my fucking business. But either way, I want to hear her side of the story. Um, And I want to hear about how she went from being the captain of this team to leaving this team altogether. My life was also kind of like a mess back then. Everything happened together made me really, really unhappy. Um, so I told the captains uh, I didn't want to go to the practice. But that was only the first, uh, the original decision I made. I didn't say I want to quit the team or I want to join the other team. I just say I didn't really want to go to practice. I want to take a break. It looked really bad, but you know, when the women's team only had two 
eight people and I was playing pickup with like another 25 players. It, show, it shows I was not supporting them, but most Cyrus players at that practice, they feel disappointed or sad. I didn't really want to explain to them why I didn't play with them or what happened um, because I feel it was just hard to explain or hard to make people understand. They, uh, one of the captains talked to me, she said she really wanted me to like, play with Cyrus for Shanghai Open. Uh, and I told her it was kind of too late. And she said, um, if you play with the Open team and if you, you know, the longer you stayed away with Cyrus, the more difficult it will be in the future you want to go back. Uh, she said it will be harder and harder for other Cyrus to accept you. Um, and I told her I understand that. So I never really got a straight answer as to why Jesse left the team. Or maybe the answer that she gave me just wasn't convincing to me. That said, she doesn't owe me or anyone else really an answer. And like, because I got so involved in this story, I have to like take myself out of it for a second and zoom out. I have to remind myself of this sometimes, that this is recreational fun, right? They don't get paid to do this. No, they actually pay quite a bit of money to do this. So just let Jesse play. Like, who cares, right? But then again, it's insulting to think that way. Because all of this does matter to this community. It's a community that these women created, and it takes a lot of work to sustain. So they have to deal with issues like this. So Jesse's reasons for leaving the team is important because in 2020, the team was really fragile. They couldn't stand to lose any more players. So why did Jesse leave the team? Well, to give her the benefit of the doubt, I think a lot of it is not fitting in with the team and having a difficult year. But what about the question of her wanting that higher level of competition? What about her thinking that she's better than the team? Well, I just asked her, and, and this is what she had to say. You know, women's and, women's and open is just different. Women's can be super competitive too. Um, you, should, you should think about not playing women's. Instead of playing women's, I play with open is because women's are not competitive. I think that's just the wrong understanding of the women's ultimate and Oba's ultimate. Um, to, to me, I think uh, women's can be really, really competitive. Like, you, there are so many good female players in China or like uh, national-wide, uh, worldwide. Um, maybe in women's, uh, we don't make big plays like some of the athletic guys made, you know, like huge jump in the, in the air or like huge layouts, but it doesn't mean women are not competitive. She wanted to stress to me it had nothing to do with feeling held back by the women's team. I don't think Jesse disparages women's frisbee in any way, but in describing her experiences playing on the men's team, she shows that it was a new and interesting challenge for her. Uh, it was really a big challenge for me to play against uh, men especially individually, if we're playing men defense. It was really hard because they were just so much faster than me. Um, but I think um, my team, they were really smart. Uh, they know I, you know, I was special. So they would make some um, strategy just for me. Yeah. Like we, we played some really uh, special zone defense from uh, just for me. 
um, but I think I also did my best um, and I wouldn't say I was that weak um, I still made some plays uh, I had a D in the final um, so another thing I think about Oba is I think there were more uh, body contact or like more physically uh, I think it was totally okay for most of the guys you know by playing a little bit physically um, but it was also also okay for me so I think that's like one of the big first. I talked to one of the leaders on the open team and he told me that she was just as competitive just as quick just as skilled as anybody else on the team she proved herself a valuable player Though she may deny it, the way that she describes the men's competitiveness, or their physicality, let's say, makes me think that even if she thinks the open team is not better or more competitive, she does think in a certain way it's more challenging, which maybe means that she thinks it is more competitive. So maybe Jessie's lying to me or to herself. But this story isn't really about what she thinks or her motivations. I think truth in many ways is built on consensus. It's about community perceptions of all the people I talk to. Even casual observers believe that part of Jesse's motivation for leaving the team is that she just thought it would be more competitive to play with the men. So the real question I'm interested in still stands. The top player on the women's team leaving for the men's team Is Jesse leaving the team bad for the sirens? Is it bad for women's frisbee? Well, we know how Eva feels. Aggressive is good, right? And uh, fighting for your, have have your own personal interests above others, or sometimes it's good, right? But I think think there is a conflict between you having your personal development or interests above the community. Um, Sometimes it's bad. So if, if, if you want to be a star player, and uh, of course you can be a star player, nobody can stop you. But maybe you can be a star player at the same time, be a good leader, you know, especially if, if people support you, if be put you in that position, and you have the responsibility, you know, to, 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 to make it better, you know, because those people supported you. As a member of a team, you could, and some would argue, that she has this responsibility as a siren to play on the team. And even moreover, politically, she has the obligation as a woman to show solidarity. But on the flip side of that coin, as an individual who has given a lot of sweat and tears to the sirens, as someone who has put in their time and won the sirens' glory, she doesn't really owe them anything, right? Maybe really her crime is more about how she handled leaving the team than actually leaving the team. When I define myself uh, in the Frisbee community, my first identification would be I'm a player. I would say I would define myself like female or male player first. I would say I'm a player. Um, and I think playing with the open is not actually against, you know, lots of women's eager for gender equality. If you only think playing with women is the only way to show your support, I think it's wrong. Competing in the open, as a female player, you also have lots of ability. It just, it's not like, oh, I'm weaker than all the guys because I'm female, so I shouldn't play with the guys. I think it's exactly the 
different way to prove all the ladies deserve the same opportunity in the sports. If you think you know playing with open is the random for the women's, I think it's wrong. You you naturally think think women are weaker than guys. I want to point out a potentially wrong assertion. I said in part one that women are less competitive at frisbee. I stated that as a given based on what the women I talked to told me. But Jessie thinks that's wrong. She thinks that women potentially are just as competitive and can hang with the men. And she's living proof of that. Women's athletic inferiority may be a reality of the mean, but on an individual level, any woman can be just as savage as any man. Jessie has been trying to prove that. Getting on the field to compete with all the guys is a way to prove girls can play sports. Girls can just compete just like all the guys do.、Uh, I think I was actually、uh, happy after the final tournament when I got one message from a lady from other city.、Uh, she also asked me how I feel about playing in the open, and I just share some like、uh, experience. With her, and she said she was actually really proud, and she was happy. She shared my story with her、uh, teammates, like all the ladies, and she said, "I told them you could see that girls can be powerful enough on the field to, you know, play just as all the guys do." You know, part of empowerment is self determination. She moved to Shanghai to play frisbee, and she enjoys the challenge of the open team. If the point of the sirens is to empower women to reach as far as their potential can take them, to give women the courage to play as savagely, to prove that they are just as tough as the men's team, then they have no choice but to applaud Jessie's tenacity, and they have no right to judge her or hold her back. Part of her story is that she's this badass that's proving not just to herself but to other women that she can fucking do it. Eva even believes that Jessie's a badass. I can say she is a very motivated person, and she's trying very hard to be、um, better, right?、Like, as far as her personal improvement or development concerned.、Yeah. Uh, which is inspiring. But that said, Eva goes on to say this. But I'm not necessarily approve of the choices she make. She is a player, but she's also a female player, and she's a top, one of the top female player I would say in China. I think when you like、uh, trying to achieve something, right? If you only consider your own advancement, this is not good. It's a community sport. Let's don't forget community before the sport. I mean, if you are get to certain level, you can't have this responsibility to, because some people have to do it. Otherwise, we just like you know have fun. We just throw frisbee at a park. What's the difference between that? And this is ultimate frisbee we're talking about. We want to bring the whole community's level. To a to a next level, to a better level, so we can compete maybe with overseas teams. And how to do that? If we need a organized, a systematic way to do it. So imagine everyone just say, "Oh, I want to win this championship." So maybe I should choose the best team. But the best team doesn't exist. People are making effort to build the best team. The truth is, it still sucks for the sirens, and even more broadly for women's frisbee. Obviously, it sucks to lose their best player. But more corrosively, it's what Jesse's move possibly suggests. Obviously, Jesse can hang with the men. So, does this set some kind of precedent? 
Does this show that what the women's team is is just sort of some kind of minor league that the best players can eventually graduate and go on to play in the open team? If that were the case, if the best players just go on to the open team eventually, then that competition within the single gender teams never gets any better. I think if you want to ask about if women players should def- also always play on women's team, um, I think uh, in this environment, like nowadays, women ultimate are barely surviving. We have super short season, not a lot of tournaments. And then I think a strong, powerful, like a strong woman players should definitely play on women's team. Especially if they grew from women ultimate, like a, like they benefit a lot from the women ultimate, the community, community. It would be nice if they can, you know, give back. Like in this environment, right? Like nowadays in Shanghai, women ultimate really need the strong leaders and the strong players, female players, female leaders. Jessie is a very strong leader and a very good player. Like her presence on the team, everybody can benefit from playing with her. She also like a group from Women Ultimate, like a group from Siren. So she knew how important Women Ultimate is to growing a woman player. As long as the women's frisbee community remains this small, and as long as there is this possibility for women to join the open team, this invitation for the, quote, good ones to come play with a bunch of men, it breathes life into this dynamic where Jessie's a villain because she's perceived as disloyal and the sirens are villains because they are seen as trying to hold her back. So does this mean that I'm pro single gender teams? Like a lot of the members of the sirens? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think this would all seem very grim. But the thing is, this is just not the direction that things are going. It's not the reality. You see, Jesse is actually an anomaly. Women aren't leaving the sirens because the sirens aren't competitive enough. And women's frisbee is not shrinking away. Women's frisbee is actually growing. Other teams are forming in Shanghai as a foil, as a contrast to the sirens. I heard a lot about Jesse's story, and I think it affects the sirens so much more because it affects them so personally. But I think that there's actually a much larger threat to the sirens. It's actually the sirens' exclusivity, their perceived over-competitiveness, that may be their biggest threat. We need to talk about Lumos. The Sirens is a competitive team. From the very outset, they knew that they wanted to strive for excellence. From their conception, they've had a coach and regimented practices. The attitude of the players has always been that they show up for tournaments not just to play, but to win. And they usually do. So in their first year of existence, they basically took on any women's players that they could because the numbers just weren't really there. But as interest in Frisbee grew, they had to be more selective. So that year we had trial, right? That's like a first ever trial in China for, for, for t- Frisbee team. First ever trial, even the national team trial nowadays like it's based on our trial at the beginning. 
So like at the beginning, we had to cut people, right? Oh, it's so hard because we never had those like a sports, you know, experience about cutting. People. It was in 2017 when the Sirens decided that they were going to have a main roster and a roster of practice players, or sort of JV team. So that's one year Eva was, um, she wasn't on the main roster, she was on the practice player list, right? The first year that Jesse was the captain with Shing, Eva actually didn't make the cut. Me and Jesse and Adam, we were, so we have to vote, right? So I voted her as the... On the, on the main roster because I know her better. So I know she has the passion. I think she's a, is a like good role model for a woman. She's very vocal and she's always very... So I was actually, I was very like sad about this decision, but it's a decision made by, you know, three of us together. And I don't know, as a friend, I really, really like her. I really want to play with her. But as a captain, I maybe do think like it's better like a player to, you know, fit on the main roster than her. I obviously asked Eva about this, too. Eva was upset, but she took this as an opportunity to organize a team with its own sort of conception of itself. It was part of the Sirens team, but it also had its own certain autonomy from the Sirens. They first called themselves the Baby Sirens, but uh, soon they switched the name to the Amazons. We, d- we have only one team back then in Shanghai, Sirens. So say, oh, that's, we should maybe do a second team. So then I volunteered, maybe we should do a baby sirens or something. So I volunteered till I practice with sirens on Saturday. Then on Sunday, I go to another field to uh, lead another team, a new team. With a taste of their own autonomy, some of the better players on that team decided to break away fully and form their own team. We built this team. And then after one year, I think a few of the members are uh, a little bit disgruntled because they don't want to be secondary. So one of them approached me one day and she said, Oh, Eva, we got, we, I want to build this team. Maybe you should join us. Eva, ever loyal, declined. And she has always remained on the sirens during their seasons. And now she's like, she's a super clutch player. Anyway, two women from the Amazons went on to create Lumos. Basically, they recruited uh, 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 those girls couldn't make sirens. Yeah, yeah. And also, majority of them from the, the second team I established. <laughs> so I did actually talk to Lenka, the leader of Lumos, for this story. But upon telling her I was focusing my story on the sirens, she declined like a taped interview. But she did talk to me over the phone. In its conception, Lumos as a team is somewhat a foil to the sirens. I don't want to say that they take Frisbee less seriously, but even in their team literature, they talk about how they are intentionally a team formed around having a good time. Fun first, competition second. There doesn't seem to be any real animosity anymore, but part of the establishment of their team was this kind of, well, kind of fuck you to the sirens in a tongue-in-cheek kind of a way. When they established, they published the article talking about, basically they say, oh, what Lumos will be look like. Everything they said is not to be sirens. And then gradually, everything they do is copying sirens. <laughs> it's doing what the sirens have been doing. It's kind of funny to us. The article she's talking about doesn't name check the sirens, but it does say something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, we don't need a coach or a captain, as in like, like the sirens do. And we don't need just three or four players on the field doing all the work. 
And obviously that seems like some shade on the sirens. At least the sirens took that to be shade. Though, though there have been some raw feelings maybe at the outset there, uh, the sirens don't have any ill will towards Lumos at all. But here's the thing. In a year where the sirens can barely get a full roster, in the year of a pandemic, Lumos has a full roster and then some. And I asked Xing why that is. Those like top players on Lumos, and we cut them, and then just because we want to have a, like a smaller roster, so we can you know develop faster. So lots of people think we are very harsh on recruiting on like a player selection and stuff. So lots of people don't just don't think they're not good enough for Siren. Also, I think people think we are you know we have a coach and then we have captains and then we have practice every week, sometimes twice a week. So there's a problem here. There is something wrong with the Sirens' reputation. Xing says it's because they are too competitive. So maybe they drive away potential players. But by all measures, Lumos is just as competitive these days. And they practice just as much. The Sirens have just had to reckon with the fallout of that initial cutting of all of those players. But, like, here's the conundrum, right? Is that Xing told me that without cutting those players all those years back, the Sirens could have never succeeded as well as they have. They could develop the really good, really serious players and give them a lot more attention. But then again, by cutting those players, they alienated a whole segment of the Frisbee playing population. So here's the thing. Women's ultimate isn't shrinking. No, it's growing. The sirens just have this reputation as being too competitive. So let's add another layer of irony here. Lumos isn't just a threat in terms of numbers. They're getting really good. Though in the outset, they spurn the notions of seriousness. They now have a coach, they have captains, and they have a systematic way of training. And now they actually have some real breakout stars. Their 2018 impetus for forming seems to have been forgotten in a bid to get much better. So like at the beginning, they also like, uh, we want everyone to have fun, and then everyone has the same playing time. But actually, there are like a few very, very good players on the rumors. Like they're, they just, they suddenly just appeared, and there's, they're like they're hungry and they're super competitive. They're very athletic too. When I was talking to Lenka, founder of Lumos, she also informed me that due to the fact that they expect to have so many players for this upcoming season, they will have to split the team into an A team and a B team. A team, B team. So like A team, the top players on their team are on A team, so they can develop. And then the B team, someone on the B team, like one day, like have a grow leadership or something and then they will start another rumors and stuff like this instead of like a uh, one like a leadership on rumors has to run both teams so it's too difficult right lumos may have defined itself from the outset as like a less competitive team but there's just this inertia that takes over right competitiveness creeps in as players begin to feel more confident in their abilities when having fun just isn't enough anymore. So maybe they'll split into an A and a B team, and then this cycle will continue. 
But for now, it means that Lumos ends up siphoning off a lot of beginner players that the Sirens don't have much use for. And that has meant that their roster has shrunken. As much as Jesse leaving the team has wounded the Sirens, this dynamic has hurt them more. So what's a bigger threat that that like those those people who want to leave the team to go to the open team or people who... <laughs> that's not that's actually, that's actually not 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 not, not a really like a threat. Oh, definitely rumors then. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. the open team, I don't think it's a threat. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's more. I I just it's, it's a threat because I feel like uh, maybe uh, maybe it's you know I'm bad to say. It, yeah. Okay, but I just feel like maybe some women they have potential to be go competitive. But going competitive, you know, it's you have to step up your comfort zone. So anyway, we have Jesse, and she leaves the team to play with the men. The sirens, at least some of them, see that as a betrayal. So I asked Shing, hypothetically, how would she feel if a member of Lumos, Lumos being the team that is seen as less competitive, what if a member of Lumos wanted to abandon their team for the more competitive team, the Sirens. How would she feel about that? You know what I mean? Yeah, personally, because I'm Sirens captain this year, right? I really want them to you know, join Sirens, but I totally get, like, I kind of hope they can be on our team. I kind of hope they can, you know, stay in the team, you know, because it's awesome to see your own team growing with you, you know, because, like, my team grow, it's like, a, growing with me, you know, we were really bad at the same time, like, throw a super crap disc they can't catch and then I throw better disc and they can they can't catch and then I throw slightly much better disc and they can catch and then the, the growth is exciting right so and then they can you know be they can challenge sirens so if you know, there's two competitive women team like in Shanghai that would be awesome the women's frisbee community is in this cycle Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. The sirens are the thesis. Lumos, the antithesis. And Lumos adopting the strong points of the sirens is sort of a synthesis. But what does that mean for the sirens? Where does that leave them as Lumos expands and they kind of contract? Is there room for everyone in this small community, or is it a zero-sum game? Finally, we're at the day of reckoning, the Shanghai Open. Months of cold practice in the worst year of the world's collective memory. Players stuck abroad, players having abandoned the team, with home turf competition at the toughest it's ever been. So how did the Sirens do? I arrived late into the first game. They were just about finished, absolutely crushing a team from Ningbo. Uh, how did you guys do in the first game? Um, we, we have some turnovers, like we made some easy mistakes, but mm-hmm. I think we did better then. I caught audio of Eva catching an absolutely massive catch. That was fucking awesome. 
job. Yeah, thank you. That was quite a catch. Yeah. I saw it. Actually, I saw I was a little bit far away from Denzel. I didn't. I checked. When I catch it, I Oh my God, score! <laughs> yeah. The player who seemed to be so clutch in almost every play was a younger player named Chloe, who normally is in college in the U.S., but her semester was canceled due to COVID, so she joined the Sirens. I caught up with her for a second after she had just made a huge play. Chloe, are you like the MVP today? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. You have ultimate Frisbee tattoos. I just yeah, want to I point that you. out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, always smiling. You're like... You have like a big smile on your face. I don't know if that's just like natural, your natural expression. It, it is a symbol of me. I like to like be happy every day and make my teammates feel so happy. Yeah. So I want to uh, express this vibe mm-hmm. to all of my teammates so that we can play relaxed, chilled again. I asked Chloe before her game with a team from Shenzhen how she was feeling. The team from Shenzhen looked tough and there were a lot of them. I worried for the sirens, but Chloe wasn't worried at all. Chloe, are you, are you worried about this game? Well, I have 100% confidence. You, you, you do? I do. Why is that? I'm, I don't know, just show my confidence and then try my best. Whatever the score is, I just try my best. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Sirens are down by two, three to one. So, I don't know. It's a tough one. They look really tough out there. When the game started, it very quickly looked like Shenzhen was going to be a real competitor. The thing that made it so worth it was to see the team that I'd come to love play the game. Through the game, I watched the players on the field, each with their own attributes and strong points. Maisie, ever determined. Eva, rock steady. Sky, she was super agile and tough. Chloe was like confident and smiling. They were all really deeply concentrated. It sunk in with me why this was so important. Why something as seemingly insignificant as after-work frisbee could be so important and contentious. It sunk in with me. Even though frisbee is this team sport, it's just as much about being valued as an individual. To go real big brain here, I think in the West we think of China as an oppressive state because of censorship. And yes, it is. But it's just as much an oppressive state in terms of how monotonous life can be and how undervalued an individual can feel. Frisbee in this way is a small rebellion because it does actually value individual valor. I watched as the Sirens actually lost the game. How do you feel about the Shenzhen team? Uh, They're fast. They're good. yeah, they have more players than us, but they are, oh, I think I'm getting um, in the mood right now because uh, they are, because the, the game get like very intense right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. All right, I won't bother you. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Shane, how's it going? Uh, not good. <laughs> But that's going to happen. They do have like a very, very experienced players on their team. Well, it seems like they have a lot more players, too. Yeah, that's true. They also that they have very good catches, like a fundamental is very good. And they have the height. Yeah. They, they are very good. And they, they have the speed, too. They got really good defense, I noticed. I don't know a lot about the game. but. I think Looking across the field, I saw the Shenzhen team. And I guess as a Sirens fan... They are the opponents, so they're like my enemy. But seeing them, seeing their team, it just kind of broadened my perspective. 
I thought about their narrative in the broader narrative of women's frisbee in China. Shenzhen, in this moment, they were the underdogs, upsetting the top dogs in their home territory. Shenzhen was this huge team of women who are just as hungry and fierce. Each one of them probably has their own story to tell. And even though I was sad for the sirens, that made me excited. You see, women's frisbee is growing in China, and it's become forged in the spirit of real competition. Sirens, in their supremacy, have pioneered competitive frisbee for women in China. And now teams like Shenzhen are aiming to take their title. All that said, for my team, the mood on the field was sad. Sad? Sad? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we could play better. You can play better. Yeah, even though we, we, we may not be stronger than them. Mm. I think that they are stronger than us. I finally asked Chloe what happened. Um, you were so confident in the beginning of the game. What happened? <laughs> well, shit, things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, do, you, do you just think that they're just really, really good? Or? I think we can somehow beat them, but we are, like, they are playing more smooth than us, and they got really aggressive, but in a good way, I think. Yeah. 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 I think we, we can work on our handling movements more, and believe ourselves and throw more hacks. The Sirens didn't just lose that game. They actually did pretty poorly overall in the tournament. Technically, Lumos beat them overall, even though they didn't actually play each other. After the tournament, I sat down with Xing again. I asked her what happened. Like, uh, like I noticed there's something different from like the last few years, because like we were, as I told you last <laughs> Three weeks that we were the best team, right? <laughs> and then, but this year is kind, like kind of different because everyone has to, in order to win, everyone has to has to step up and do something, right? So like this year, every point we scored, everyone's like screaming and then you know, like run to the line and then celebrate together. Everyone's like you know super happy and excited about every point we scored because it's like everyone's effort. But actually, like uh, most of the players for this tournament, right, right, they're doing a lot. Like for a few, uh, for like the first few years, they were just like a supporting roles, most likely, because they were always other good players. That meant, but now without like uh, all the other good players, they have they are, they are now become the best players on the field. So they were doing a lot of things they probably usually wouldn't do in a game. That's why they felt more like emotional after the game, after after we lose, because they you know felt like it's more. But I think it's a good thing we we end up in this like panicking situation. The cool thing about this season, even if it wasn't the most successful, was that it was a team of only women. Xing had to take over for their usual coach Adam, and that was a big learning experience for her. It was a good experience. I'm glad I did it. Could have done better though. So as a player, right? So I really care about winning, but as a coach, I guess you should focus on more about how the team team improves every game or like uh, you know every player's improvement. 
I I gotta play better. I gotta like catch this. I gotta like make less mistakes. But some players will be like, oh, this is so difficult. I'm really upset. I, I can't find myself. I just not fit, not playing well. And they will like you know dwell on the failure. Now after like being captain and being coach, I know like being upset is ugly. <laughs> you know, just like showing negative emotion is not helping anyone. Also like it's contagious. You know. Yeah. So that last interview with Xing was from June 2020. But I've actually kept in touch with the sirens over the months, into the fall and into the winter. And it seems like everything is fine. The team hasn't fallen apart or anything. Actually, in November, Lumos hosted a little tournament for just the women in Shanghai. And I went to go see them. I was greeted warmly but cautiously by the sirens. Jessie was there. Jessie put together her own little pickup team just for the tournament, especially. I said hi to Jessie, and she kind of coldly said hi back. Maybe she was busy, but maybe she also didn't want to talk to me. Um, I had been accused of stirring up some trouble among the Frisbee community after my interview with Jessie. Uh, and there were some worries that I was going to misrepresent sides of the story. That day, everyone was very nice, very cordial. But there was a certain coldness towards me. And I get it. I, I picked at a wound. I stirred up trouble, even if unintentionally. So how did the Shanghai Women's Tournament go? Well, <clears throat> the Sirens beat Jesse's pickup team, which was full of really strong players. But Lumos actually beat them, which I think was a bit of a surprise. Why did I care to get so involved? So that was actually the question Eva had when I met up with her at a coffee shop. Why was I so interested in the drama about this year? Well, maybe cynically because I thought maybe the downfall of the sirens is a more interesting story if I play it like that, maybe. But that's just the narrative. This isn't really the downfall of the sirens. They're fine, they just need to make some adjustments about how they're recruiting players. But I truly believe that showing the conflict within the community we can see what really matters. Every single person I talk to in this story loves women's frisbee and is trying to protect it and trying to grow it in their own way. The problem there is that this effort isn't monolithic. It's kind of a messy process. When I was talking to Eva over coffee, she told me she cares about the way things are going. She cares about the precedents that are being set because she cares about the legacy of this beautiful and fragile thing that her and Xing and the rest of the sirens have created. She's been thinking a lot about legacy because although she said it before, this may really be her last year playing Frisbee. They have something, sort of like a legacy or something. We want to leave something and people don't take it. People are just like, okay, okay, we, we don't care about what you did. I think this is also one of the bigger reasons. The first the coach of sirens, uh, Evan, dropped out. And he was telling me, he was confessing to me like, he feels like sometimes all those things he did, and people don't seem remember him at all. So that gave me something to think about. And I was like, 
is it really worth it? I mean, even you are, you you believe something, maybe people don't believe it, you know? So it makes me question, yeah, about everything. The Sirens, as the first single gender women's Frisbee team in China, laid the groundwork for the level of competition that's only getting better. Eva worries about that legacy. She worries that their contribution and commitment will be forgotten or that it really doesn't mean anything at all in the broader scope of things. But I think it does. And I also think that the struggles that forged this team are important. Even if someday the sirens are forgotten, their legacy gone, the passion and the level of competition that they brought to this sport and to sports for women in general will live on. The society maybe more broadly is indifferent to recreational sports, maybe especially women's sports. But they've shown us just how important and how nourishing pushing the limits can be. 2020 has been a shit year for the Sirens, but they made it through. Losing teammates, losing tournaments, losing control of the narrative seems to have made them only stronger. And I'm glad that I was there to capture that, even if it was messy. I really wish them the best of luck. I'm not regretting for what we did. Yeah, and especially sirens, we're still going on. And, uh, and we want to pass it, this legacy, to the younger kids. This podcast in this season for the sirens was really about the women of the team. Um, but I would be remiss not to mention the two men Evan and Adam. Evan, with Shing, was one of the founders of the team. And Adam has used his free time, basically, to coach this team to be as successful as they are. Um, So let's not forget their contribution as well. You've been listening to Strangers in China. Uh, so just to let you know, these are actually the credits for the Siren Song Part 1 and for Part 2. Strangers in China is brought to you by the Seneca Network, powered by SubChina. There is voiceover in these episodes by uh, Mandy. So Cindy from New Voices, which is part of the Seneca Podcast Network, helped me a lot with crafting the narrative here and uh, giving me some advice about how to go about this. So I just want to give a big shout out to her and I want you guys to go and subscribe immediately to New Voices wherever you get your podcasts. Jason helps me get these episodes to all of you. Ali helped me with the social media stuff. Strangers in China's theme song is Analytical Skeletons by Cezus. Other music in this episode was from Cezus, Purple Cat, Terry Skills, Dream, Evan Schaefer, Joe's Win, Lakey Inspired, and Legang. You can follow Strangers in China on Twitter at Stranger in China. You can follow us on Facebook at Strangers in China. Send us an email whenever you want at strangersinchinaofficial at gmail.com. Please contribute to the podcast by going to our Patreon. Um, make sure that we can continue doing this. So thank you so much. 